Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les. I am your host, and I started this podcast almost two years ago, which I cannot even believe that much time has gone by. Back in 2018, when I was really craving conversations with other Black women about our well-being and about how we take care of ourselves and how that changes and how it ebbs and how it flows. And I wanted to have those conversations and I wanted to share them. And now almost two years later, here we are. So I am so honored that you have tuned in and are joining me today. Over the past month, I would say I have been really intentional about doubling down in the ways that I take care of myself. And I will be so honest with you, full transparency, a lot of my habits around self-care, taking care of my mind, body, spirit had really fallen by the wayside between 2019 being a really incredible year for me personally, having traveled and moved and had so many incredible opportunities. A lot of those things came at the expense of my well-being. Moving into 2020, where I wanted to have a lot more intentionality, wanted to focus more on those habits that I loved and that inspired me to help create and share this space. But with COVID, with the state of the world, had really gotten into a pretty deep funk. And honestly, I just didn't want to do much. And that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing nothing, with taking your time to chill, relax, take the load off. All of that is great. However, I knew that I wasn't doing things that I normally love. And for me, I genuinely love taking care of myself. I love cooking and moving my body and really pouring into my mind, body, and soul. Those are things that I genuinely love. They don't feel like chores. And so when those things that I loved were not of interest to me, that was when I knew I really had to dig a little bit deeper, go within, really reflect on what was going on, why I felt that way, and really start doing some inner work to start feeling like myself again. And I wouldn't say that at this time I fully feel like myself. I think what we've experienced specifically in the Black community over the past month and just this trauma that we have always been faced with, but that has really been magnified and intensified over the past month. I still don't think any of us is just fully breathing easy and feeling like our full selves. However, those events have really helped me remember why I feel it is so important that I take care of myself, why I feel it's so important that you take care of yourself, why our ability to take care of self is so vital in this movement and in this act of resistance. Honestly, truly being healthy, happy, joyful as black people is resistance because 
all of these systems that are in place that so many folks are just waking up to or that are finally starting to unravel a bit, those systems were not designed for us to be healthy, happy, vibrant, and doing as much that we can to be that is so, so important. But it's also important to hold space for all of it, right? We are feeling grief, we are feeling pain, and yet we still have this incredible spirit where we can still cultivate so much joy and have this humor and this energy that only black people have, honestly. And the fact that we're able to do all of that is truly magical. However, for all of those things to be true, we do really have to pour into ourselves. And so it has really helped me get back to the core of why I do the things that I do, why I do the things I do with this podcast and this space, why I have the habits that I had in terms of taking care of my mind, body, and soul. And it's really, really helped me get back in line with that. It's also helped me realize that I can't do everything on my own and that's okay too. And I know I'm not the only one who struggles with that. I know a lot of us do. It has taken getting some outside help, both personally and professionally. So for me, that has looked like going back to therapy. I am so fortunate to have been referred to a great therapist who is local, who I have started talking to on a weekly basis, which has been so, so helpful helpful and just having that external support. And it's also looked like me starting to get a lot more help with Balanced Black Girl. And there's already been some small changes. You can look forward to more changes that I'm so excited to share with you that are going to be, I think, just so beneficial to this movement and hopefully beneficial to you and inspiring you to be your best self and enabling you to be your best self in any way we can. But I realize I can do that as a, a team of one. And so bringing in help with a lot of those things so that I can not only pour into myself more so that I can understand what I'm doing more and so that I can really lean into the areas where I can be a best service to both you and to myself. And really the events of the past month have helped me reflect on that so, so much and understanding that none of us can do all of this alone. Even those of us who are so used to being independent, doing everything on our own, I get it. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I also know how it feels to be independent out of what feels like necessity, right? Like for most of us who are doing it ourselves type of women, do it ourselves type of people where we do everything. That's not for no reason, right? We get like that because at some point we received the message that people either couldn't or didn't want to or weren't able to help us. We got that way because at some point we needed help and we were let down or we needed someone to be there and they weren't. So I also wholeheartedly understand how it feels to need support and to feel like it's not there. I get it. And to be honest, that's something that I am still really trying to get my arms around because in some areas of life, I very much feel that way. But for the areas of life where that does not apply to, such as having help with this platform or talking to a therapist to better understand my feelings, my patterns, my behaviors, those are the ways that I could seek out help to show up better. So I don't know what that looks like for you. You can maybe do some reflecting to figure out, okay, maybe you don't necessarily have support with all things in all areas, but what areas can you get support in right now that can still at least alleviate some of your load? And 
And with that, with that at least bit of your load that is alleviated, what peace can you get from that? How can you then pour into yourself, pour into the movement wherever you feel called from that space? So those are just some recent learnings that I'm having. Wanted to share them with you in case that resonates with you. You know, I'm always here sharing. I'm always doing the most, probably talking too much, but that's also why I now have a platform that revolves around talking, right? Because it all fits. But hopefully that resonates with you. Let me know if you would like me to talk more about that. I would be happy to maybe do a solo episode in the future, diving a bit more into uh, what I shared there. Also, if you have not yet listened to episode 68, which came out in early June, that was another episode that I did that was solo that was around the same topic, just in terms of setting boundaries and protecting your energy. So if you haven't listened to that one, I definitely recommend tuning in. If anything I've said over the past few minutes resonated with you, I think you'll really enjoy that episode as well. So thank you so much again for being here. I appreciate you lending your ear to this space for being an engaged part of this community and for supporting the women that we feature on this platform because that's what it's all about. So I leave you with that. I wish you well. I wish that you have peace and I hope you have joy. I hope you get to pour into yourself a bit this week. If you get rest, whatever it is that you need, I hope you get it. I hope you have it. You deserve it all. All right. (laughs) I think I've said enough there. And I am excited to jump into today's interview with you. So today we are joined by Adenola Adeshola, who is a career strategist and Forbes contributor. She teaches flourishing and unfulfilled corporate professionals how to secure new positions they love at companies they love. Her clients have landed interviews and job offers at companies such as Tiffany & Co., Macy's, CBS, BP, and other amazing Fortune 500 companies in their industries. Her expertise has also been featured in Bloomberg, Fast Company, Business Insider, and other publications. Hearing from Adenola about these topics is like talking to your super smart, super wise friend who has the career fulfillment plug. This woman knows her stuff. She knows career advancement. She knows all of it inside and out. And she drops so many gems in this conversation. We recorded this episode a little while back when we were all newly getting used to stay-at-home orders when a lot of folks' jobs were first being impacted. But honestly, it is still so relevant. I know that there is a lot of just adjustment and volatility on the career landscape right now in the job market right now. So if you are looking to make a career change, if you're looking for more fulfillment, if you are looking for a new job or a new career, if you are transitioning, regardless of what your career position is, I know that Adenola has some amazing advice that you will gain in this episode. So we are going to hear from one of our Balanced Black Girl partners, and then we're going to jump into the conversation. So I hope you enjoy. As a native Seattleite, I have to be honest, I love me some coffee. It might be my biggest vice. But lately in combating so much stress and feelings of anxiety, coffee has not been loving me back. 
However, I have still been able to enjoy my morning cup of coffee by incorporating some of my favorite adaptogen blends in my morning drink. So I've been adding a teaspoon of the Pecan Valley Balance My Stressed Adaptogen Blend, which has made a huge difference in not feeling the effects of caffeine as deeply. I'm not experiencing symptoms like elevated heart rate and feelings of stress that I was feeling before. The Balance My Stress Blend is an incredible blend of adaptogenic herbs that are designed to create inner balance. It's a calming and balancing blend for every day, and the blend uses adaptogenic herbs to help manage stress and potent organic botanicals to help reduce fatigue, create an overall sense of wellness, and promote balance. Hi, that's what we're all about here. So it has a really wonderful ingredients, including red reishi, mushroom extract, organic cacao, and organic ashwagandha. Super high quality, and I love that it is a black woman-owned brand. A few months ago, we had the founder of Pekin Valley, Nadine Joseph, on the podcast, and she gave us a rundown of Adaptogens 101, what they are, how stress impacts our bodies, and how adaptogens help us combat stress. And I highly recommend giving that episode a listen if you haven't already. And if you are ready to try out your Peak and Valley blends, you can go to balanceblackgirl.com slash peakandvalley, and you can use the coupon code balanceblackgirl, all one word, for $5 off your your adaptogen blends. All right, Adenola, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Yes, happy to be here. Yes, so we have some human interaction with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I can't do isolation for long. (laughs) I know, I know, we're all doing our best with it, right? Yes. Yes. So I would love for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yes. So my name is Adanola Adashola. Yes, it does rhyme. Um, I am a millennial career strategist and I teach professionals how to land new positions they love at different companies. And so if you're looking to, you know, expedite your job search and land a new position as quickly as possible with less stress, you know, that is exactly what I do. I'm also a force contributor where I write about all things job search and how to take your career to the next level. And I've also been featured in other places like Bloomberg, Business Insider, Fast Company, and many other publications talking about the thing that I love the most, which is how to take your career to the next level as easy as possible with less overwhelm. Amazing. It's so important. I think that's something that we're all looking for. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Definitely. So your work is very needed. Yay. And it is really needed. I mean, not just for me, because I love my job, but me, myself, I've been in a situation where I didn't have a job. Well, so I'll say like this, like when I graduated college, again, my name is Adanola, so I'm Nigerian-American. And so, you know, what that means essentially is that you're only allowed to be a certain number of things. So when I was growing up, you know, people wanted to be a nurse, a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, or if you weren't any of those things, you're likely to be a failure in their eyes. And for me, I wanted to go into PR. And so when I graduated college, I learned a job three days after graduation graduation and it was my dream job and it quickly became not my dream job long story short and so I ended up in a place where I had got the job that I always thought that I wanted and it really wasn't the place where I, I wanted to continue to be I you know felt like I was in a toxic work environment I was no longer supported I felt stagnant and so 
when I say it's needed, it's because I know exactly what it feels like to like have that job where you thought it was going to be it. And then now you're forced to kind of shift focus and think about what else it is that you want to do and then tackle it and that the struggle of actually even getting that next job can be a struggle. So yes, I totally know what it's like to be in a situation where you're faced with wanting to find a new job and all the things that come up when you're wanting to tackle that. That's so relatable. I think especially for your first job, either coming out of college or just kind of the first major role you have in your career, it can be really, really deflating if you do all this work to get to this position and then you get there and you realize it's not really the right thing for you, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. It was so deflating. I mean, I will say when I first got there, it was great. You know, I was working in the global chairman's office. I was working on his confidential clients. I was making lateral moves. I, you know, moved to a new office, was able to move back home, get a new apartment. All these great things are happening for me. I really saw myself working there for a long time. And, you know, after a while, it just became what it wasn't, you know? So whereas it started off being a great opportunity and I really enjoyed my time and I was growing and I was learning, I found myself in a place where I wasn't growing. I wasn't learning. I, you know, and again, it was just like, wow, I did all this work to get here and I'm no longer happy here. And now I got to figure out what's next and what is next. And all of those questions that come with trying to figure out that next step. Yeah, for sure. So how did you navigate that? Yes. Well, so I will say it wasn't as seamless as I teach my clients to make it now, you know, For me, again, when you have like that dream job or what you thought was your dream job, it can feel really hard deciding, just making the decision to leave that company because you've already felt like, man, I worked so hard for this. This is what I really wanted. And for me, it took me about four months to finally decide that I needed to get the hell out of there (laughs) because I was in a place where I was like, you know, job hunting. And then I'm like, oh, today's a good day. I had a great week. I don't really need to look for a new job. And then something will happen. I'm like, you know, I need to get a new job as quickly as possible. How many, like, how can I apply for these jobs? And then again, that roller coaster of like, it's not a bad day. Things are good. I should stay. And so that was going on for about four months of me going up and down in my job search. And finally, after getting passed over for a promotion another time, so I was constantly told I was adding value, that I'm bringing great results to the team, I'm awesome, and all these things. But, you know, getting passed over for promotion despite all the compliments was what really made me realize, like, I need to get out of here. And that moment was when I really took my job search seriously. And, you know, luckily for me, I knew what it took to get a new job because I, before I even graduated, I spent a lot of time really crafting a job search strategy that allowed me to get a new job three days after graduation. And so I knew what I needed to do to get that next position, but I hadn't been serious about it. And so the day when I was passed over for promotion and told to wait a couple more months, I was like, you know what? I'm not waiting a couple more months. I'm going to get a new job. Job. And that was the time that I was like dead serious about making it happen. And I was able to land a new position within seven weeks of that decision. Oh, wow. I mean, I can relate so much to kind of having the ups and downs with that process. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a relationship, you know, where you'll have days <laughs> like, oh, it's not that bad. But then you have other days where you're like, I'm not being treated right here. This right. isn't where I need to be and how long it can take to really come to that decision to seek something else is definitely a process. Yes, it's like a toxic relationship at that. It is. <laughs> you're like, no, I love him though. And I think he loves me. And then something happens and you're like, no, this doesn't feel right anymore. You know, I need to do something. And so it's hard. And I think that's 
the harder thing when it comes to our careers too is especially if you are dealing like imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not good enough or you got lucky to get the job that you currently have it can feel even more strenuous to take that next step because you struggle with feeling like if you deserve that next opportunity or if you're worthy of getting that next step and so it can keep you feeling you know stagnant just like a toxic relationship because you're like can I do better than this you know can I really take myself to the next level and was I just you know fortunate to be where I am did I just get here based off of a great conversation or a great something small that I did rather than like I deserve the next thing if I can get this I can get that next opportunity as well Mm, that's such a good point I mean and I'm so glad that you use that example and brought up imposter syndrome because I think imposter syndrome is one of those things that we have all felt at some point, whether it is in the workplace or in relationships or whatever, where we really question our worthiness in terms of being there, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's such a bad feeling to feel like I'm lucky or I am the, you know, I was hired for these other reasons outside of my work that I bring to the table, you know? So how did you navigate feelings of imposter syndrome that you faced? Yeah, I mean, so for me, the most honest answer is that shows up whenever you're going to the next level in your career. You know, I think anybody who says like they don't feel imposter syndrome is lying because I think that it comes up no matter every time you're doing something that is new, out of your comfort zone, is stretching you, like you're always going to feel like, am I good enough? And so I think that is important to know that that feeling is normal, but it's what you do with that feeling that can make it helpful or, you know, detrimental for you. So thinking about yourself in a sense of like, am I good enough for this opportunity is okay. But if you start to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough for this opportunity. Or if you allow that imposter syndrome to make you to settle, or, you know, you're reading a job description and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't apply for this because I don't think I'm good enough. or I'm missing all of these things or I'm missing two things and they're not going to want to hire me. Like if you allow that to talk you out of things, then that's when it really becomes damaging for your self-esteem and even for your career and in the workplace if you aren't speaking up for yourself because you don't feel like you're worthy enough to be there if you're you know not asking for the raise because you feel like you know you're lucky enough to have the salary you have now that all is going to play into not just where you are in that moment but how far you go because you're essentially holding yourself back because you feel like this is the best that I can do and so For me and what I teach my clients is that you have to operate in facts over feelings. And so your feelings are always going to tell you like, you know, maybe you're not good enough. But when you face the facts of I am good enough because this is exactly what I bring to the table. This is what I've been able to do. This is my results. These are, you know, the things I've been able to turn around for my company and the companies I've been with. When you start to operate in facts, you can override those feelings of feeling like you're not worthy enough for that next opportunity. Oh, that is such good advice. And I love what you said about imposter syndrome showing up whenever we're ready to go to the next level or whenever we're kind of stepping up to up level and try something new because that's so true. And I think those moments where we are not feeling imposter syndrome or maybe those people who claim to never feel it, (laughs) not to say that this is the case for everybody, but it could be because they are either playing small or kind of playing safe in some ways and not challenging what they can do. Right. I totally agree with that. I think 
whenever you're in your comfort zone, you're not in your growth zone, right? So if you just feel comfortable with everything that you're doing, and not that that's a bad thing, because there are some seasons where you should feel comfortable and you are, you know, getting your stride and you're moving forward in a way that feels good to you because you've done the work to get to where you are. So it's not to say that you always have to feel imposter syndrome, but if you're in a place where you're trying to go to the next level or you're trying to land a new job and it doesn't feel a little scary or it doesn't feel a little like you're getting out of your comfort zone, then my bet, just like yours is, is that you are playing it safe because you're probably not trying to tackle new challenges or you're probably not going after that senior role that you know that you're qualified for or you're probably still applying for things that you know that you're good at but not what you really want to do and so all of those things tie into playing it safe rather than stretching yourself and doing something that is out of your comfort zone but will allow you to grow. Mm, Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that you said what you said about seasons because I could not agree more. I think even when it comes to stretching ourselves in our careers, fitness, goals, whatever, Mm -hmm. I think that there's a season to really go at it. And there's also a season to let yourself either, you know, whether you want to be comfortable, take time off, however you want to call it. I think both things are necessary to be at an equilibrium. So I, I love that you said that. I, you know, I think that, you know, especially like with social media, you hear a lot of people say like, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. You got to be grinding. You got to, you know, you got team no sleep. You have to be doing all these things. You want to be successful. And there is just a time and a place for that. And if you're just trying to like go, 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 go every hour, every week, every month, then you're going to bring yourself out, you know? And so it's totally okay. Like, wow, you know, I'm all about taking your first to next level. You know, it's totally okay to take a pause and enjoy the moments that you've worked hard for. The problem comes when you know that it's time to take yourself to the next level, when you know that it's time to stretch yourself out of that comfort zone, when you feel that, like, I can do more than this feeling and you're constantly ignoring it. That is the issue. And that's when you know, like, your comfort season has ended for this moment. And it's time to step into that next season where you might have to stretch yourself and you might feel uncomfortable, but it's worth listening to that nudge that you're to take that next step. Mm, So good. And that's such a good distinction too, to listen to that nudge that we're getting because we know when it happens. Right. I felt like when I was in my job and I was like, literally it was, I was depressed. Like I was so unhappy. I was like crying at work on my commute. I was constantly, constantly feeling like, you know, I can do more than this. Like I was having like this nagging feeling like I like this, but it's not really what I want to do. Like I don't see myself doing this. I know that I can be doing so much more. I know that there's so much more career growth possible for me. Like I would see other people doing things and I'm like, I know I can do that too. Like I'm ready for that. And I think it's such a disservice to yourself when you do have those feelings because that literally is your mind, body, and soul directing you to that next level. Like it's literally, it's like that kind of alarm clock saying like, it's time to go. And whenever you ignore that, you really delay the possibilities that are already waiting for you. It's so true. And I think I've had a lot of learnings around that very feeling. I think earlier in my career, I used to always kind of keep those feelings inside, like when I felt like I was being nudged to kind of go to the next level, but was really afraid and kind of had those doubts and had those fears. Like I would always keep it to myself because I didn't want to admit that I wanted something different, but I also didn't want, you know, to be talked out of wanting to feel like they need to humble me or talk me down (laughs) because I think we've all experienced that in one way or another. But I've really learned that 
having people to talk to can be really, really powerful. Yes. I think having the right people, right? Like like you said, like you don't want to talk to people. Because one, when you are already in a place where you're kind of numbing that I can do more than this feeling, it's still a level of imposter syndrome because you might not feel like on some level, you know that you're worthy, but on another level, you feel like you, maybe you're not as worthy to do more. It feels weird to say like, I want more. It's so hard, especially as women, to be able to say like, I want more than this. Like you can feel like you're, you know, maybe greedy or ungrateful or maybe crazy to think that it's possible to achieve that. And so it's important knowing that that is coming up for you. Posture syndrome is important to have people around you that you trust that are going to uplift you, that are going to remind you like, yeah, actually I've been waiting for you to say that you wanted to do this because I think that you're so ready for it, you know, are people who are going to remind you what you're capable of and tell you like, this is why you're ready for that next step. That I think for me, like friendship is so important to me and having people who support you and are rooting for you and aren't intimidated by you and what you want to achieve is so necessary to being able to feel empowered and to feel like you have the right people and tools around you so that you can take that next step for yourself. Oh gosh, totally. I mean, having a community that supports your growth and is right there along with you is so valuable. Totally. I would love to transition a little bit to talk about the workplace and navigating toxic situations in the workplace. I mean, I know that's I've definitely worked in toxic workplaces before. I would love to hear maybe if you have had experience with that and just your advice for how to how to navigate that and get through it. Ooh. <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> I feel like I really feel like God put me in like a training ground for toxic, toxicity, like toxic workplaces, you know, honestly, to prepare me for what I do now. But even in the time that I was in those situations, it was hard. It was tough. I feel like I went through a number of things that people, like sometimes I tell people what happened and things that, that happened at work. Like, did that really happen? Did you just make that up? I'm like, no, that really happened. You know, times where I caught, or a time where I caught like my manager and someone else who I was reporting to talking about me via chat and they accidentally sent the message to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. And it was like, the crazy thing about the situation, I kid you not, it's like people think it's a joke because we were in a situation where we restructuring the office. And so because of our restructuring, we're all like in a makeshift office. So we're all at the same tables for our teams. So one team was at the same table. And so in the situation where I got the I am, so at the time when we got that, when I got that message, they were right in front of me. <laughs> so I could see the look on their face when I looked up at them and they realized that they had sent the message to me instead of the person they meant to send it to and they immediately both like ran out of the office while I sat there and was just like wait what just happened so like that's one of those situations I've had times where another boss like literally told me like all of the amazing things that I have done and you know all the things that contribute to the team and then a week later saying like when it came time to talk about promotion saying that you know I'm just not ready for it, even though they told me, you know, these are all the great reasons why I am ready, but they just weren't ready to promote me for the role that I wanted next. And so I've been in really toxic environments where I've been talked about for whatever reason, where I wasn't supported, even though they knew how much I was capable of achieving what I wanted to achieve, to the point that even in one situation, the same situation where my boss told me that I wasn't ready for a promotion, when I finally did leave and land a new job in seven weeks, the role that I got allowed me to have more leadership and more flexibility 
ability. And when it was time, I got the going away party that they threw me. Her and everyone else was like, we're so happy for you. We knew all along that you were ready for that type of role. We're so excited that you're going to be able to tackle those things. And it's like, wait, but... If you knew, then why didn't you promote me into it? (laughs) Like, what? Like, what? (laughs) You know, like, huh? So you were just keeping me here because it was easier? Like, it was the most, like mind-blowing thing you know to even just hear them say like you're you're gonna be so great at that because we always knew you had it in you and it's like well ma'am act accordingly (laughs) right so like I know how all of that feels to just feel small in a role when you know that not that you're so big because it's not even in a prideful way but when you know that you just have so much to offer and it's like you feel shackled and so in those situations I always aim on the side of just remaining classy, you know, because especially as a Black woman, it can be really frustrating because if you do show any sign of frustration or anger or feelings of being displeased, it can come across as, oh, this is just how you deal with things. Or your anger is taken to a whole new light because of how they feel like Black people react to things and Mm -hmm. for me in those situations I was the only black person and the only black woman in that office and so I always wanted to carry and it's frustrating because you want to be able to say like that's just not okay and although you do get to do that you definitely as a black woman it's like you almost have to take it with a lot more care because of how you're likely to perceive be perceived if you don't and so I just kind of eared on like when I realized I was in a toxic environment I I was so much more proactive about how I spent my personal life. And I'm like type A. So for me, that meant like setting an alarm at 12 noon every day. I had an alarm on my phone for 12 noon every day that said, have you been inspired today? And that was so important to me because I was in a place that was not inspiring me where I felt shackled and I needed to do something every day to make me feel inspired and so I would have that alarm on and for me sometimes I meant reading a really good article sometimes I would read like articles on like Exo Nicole where they you know talked about corporate black women who were succeeding in their careers at the time you know that would motivate me to go okay I can succeed I can get out of here I can do this and sometimes that meant you know, making sure that when I got home, I had a phone call with my loved ones that was going to cheer me up or remind me of, you know, that life is bigger than my career or whatever the case is. And so I always had that reminder on my phone and I didn't turn it off until I did something that was going to inspire me that day. And so that was like one of the specific things that I did every day to make sure that I took control of my peace of mind and didn't let my circumstances control how I felt about myself or what I was capable of. And to the point that when I did actually leave or when I was leaving, again, everything was coming out. So like at that going away party, you were like pulling me to the side. Like, I didn't even know that you were unhappy here. Like, I didn't know that you were thinking about leaving. And it's like, girl, (laughs) (laughs) you don't know what I was going through. But, you know, all of that taught me that, taught me how to remain calm and taught me how to not, allow someone else to take responsibility of my career, but to take control of it at all times, no matter how that looks like in different times. So and at one point that could be making sure that I'm not, I'm pouring into my personal life and so that I'm not constantly being affected by the toxicity at work. And another point that's like, okay, now it's time for me to really leave and I need to take control of where I end up next and not wait for my boss to promote me for that next opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that is such great advice. And I love the reminder to seek inspiration. I think it can be so 
easy to get kind of into a routine if we are in a space where we feel uninspired or unappreciated to just kind of be stuck in that rut. But even something like a small reminder to seek that for yourself, I think is key to getting through those situations until you can get to your next thing. Right. Because I always say like your job search doesn't happen overnight, as we all know, like people always say like searching for a job is like a full-time job. Getting a new job isn't something that's going to just automatically work. Even when you have the right tools and strategies to do so, it takes time, interviews, all of these things. And so you have to find a way to cope in the midst of looking for a new job. You can't just be looking for a new job and then every day you're allowing yourself to be beat up by the work that you had. And so finding a way to, you know, bounce that energy off throughout the day and even when you get home while you're waiting for that new job is so essential to just keeping your peace of mind, keeping your confidence and keeping that optimism about what's possible for you. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. And I think that's when those self-care practices become even more essential if we are working in spaces where we are not being treated well, we feel like we can't fully express ourselves. We have to let that out somewhere. And so creating those practices is so important. Yes. And I love that you said self-care because I think that, you know, lighting a candle and having a good bath is important. You know, sometimes self-care is like putting on that Netflix show and just zoning out. But I think self-care is also like committing to your personal goals. You know, what I find from myself and even clients who've been at companies for a long time, it can really be hard to disattach from your previous company and feel like their goals are your only goals. And when it comes to operating in a place of putting yourself first and taking control of your career, self-care is also putting your personal goals first, even if that is looking for a new job and making that a priority for yourself, whether that's sitting down, you know, every other day for two hours after work to focus on your job search without any distractions because that is your goal for getting to the next level in your career. That is a form of self-care. And if that means you have to say no to something every now and then or say no to a happy hour because you have to focus on something that you need to do for yourself, like that's taking care of you to help you get out of the situation that's going to allow you to be even more happier once you are out of that situation. Oh my goodness. That's like a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> I love that because I think, I mean, obviously it's like, I'm like the wellness person and, you know, I'm all about wellness practices. And I think sometimes myself included, like we can think of our work as very separate from that. But I think we are in a situation where the time is up and we're not being treated well and it's not healthy for us from a work standpoint. Devoting that time to find something better is truly self-care because we spend more time at work and working than we do anything else. Right. Making sure that that's a healthy situation for ourselves. And if that's job hunting, if that's working with a coach, if that's practicing interviewing to get to a better spot like that is self-care I love that you said that yes my job for you as well <laughs> light bulbs are just going off left and right for me <laughs> yes I mean honestly I can you know and I, you are the self-care queen when it comes to those things and I think it's just important for people to also start to see self-care as investing in yourself and investing in your goals and saying yes to yourself. It doesn't always have to be a physical thing. It can be you just saying like, I'm going to say yes to myself and put myself first, not in a selfish way, but 
just making myself more of a priority so that I can fill into, pour into other people so that I can be a happier version of me so that people are able to see me and feel happier being around me rather than me complaining about hating my job and everybody else is like walking on eggshells and they know I'm going to talk about work. Like (laughs) being able to put yourself first changes you and changes other people. And so sometimes it's just making that small adjustment that's going to make a huge difference for you and help you really make that progress that you're looking to make. Oh, 100%. I've been that girl who spent all her time complaining about her job and everybody Same. else gets sick of doing it. And like looking back on those moments, I was probably the unhealthiest I'd ever been during those points, even though I was like working out a lot and eating well and all of those things purely because I was so stressed out about it. And I was so focused mm-hmm. on physical wellness, just kind of as an outlet from how unhappy I was at work mm-hmm. that like looking back on it, being in that space, totally the unhealthiest I've ever been. Right. No, I totally agree with that because that was me. I was not in the gym, first of all. So that was that. I should have been, but I wasn't. I was like letting my health fall to the wherever it was going. Like my friendships were on lifeline at the time because like I was just so unhappy. I wasn't going out. Like I truly was in just in a very depressed state and it affected everything for me. It affected how I showed up for other people. It affected how I showed up for myself. And I think going back what you said about being a rut, like you have a decision to make. And I think that a lot of times people forget that they are in control of their careers and you have to consistently remind yourself, even when you are a rut, that you are in control of this. You got that job and you can get another job. You don't like what's going on there. You want a better boss. You can find a better boss at a better company who wants to support you, who wants to challenge you. You know, if you want to change a situation, you can change it. And it's just so important to remember that because a lot of times when you're in that kind of situation where you're unhappy, it can just continue on and on and on to become your new normal. And you forget that you have the power to make an adjustment and to opt out of what you're experiencing. Mm. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> we all needed to hear that, <laughs> no matter where we're at work-wise. <laughs> Because that can apply to anything. That can apply to work, relationships. Right. True. It does. (laughs) So, so good. Now that I'm spending more time at home, I am giving my hair some extra TLC with lots of moisture, lots of conditioning, and either keeping it up in a bun, a pineapple, or twists to protect it. Y'all, I have been using Cantu's Natural Hair Collection and my hair has been loving it lately. So on wash day, I've been using their Sulfate Free Shampoo and Conditioner, which by the way, has great slip. And then using the Shea Butter Leave-In Conditioning Repair Cream to help detangle and the Coconut Curling Cream to moisturize before putting my hair in twists. And the results have been so good. My hair has been feeling soft, moisturized, and I love that all of these products are formulated with shea butter to support hair health and manageability. Cantu is all about providing high quality curl care at an amazing price. So if you want to give your hair a little extra love, check these out. This line can be found at Walmart and walmart.com. So make sure you stock up for your next wash day. So I would love to transition a little bit. I mean, you know, at the time that we're recording this, and I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, like a lot of our daily lives look very different than they once had due to COVID-19. A lot of us are spending either a lot of time working remotely, or we might have had our businesses or our jobs kind of take a hit. I would love to kind of get your perspective on how we can really 
not only make ourselves just good candidates for whether it is a job or whatever is coming, but just be really smart and pour into ourselves and our careers during this time of uncertainty? I love that question because this is such a time of uncertainty. And, you know, with uncertainty comes a lot of chaos, a lot of anxiety, discomfort, fear, and it can make you just want to like crawl into a cave and not come out. (laughs) And especially with the social distancing, we're already creating our own caves to just crawl into. And so, you know, I think that it's important to one, like there's two things, like, of course you want to make the most of this time and, you know, come out of the cave and, you know, mentally and physically if you can. But You also want to give yourself grace and permission during this transition because there's so much changing. Your work schedule is changing. If you've never worked from home before, that's a massive adjustment. Not only are you adjusting to doing work and delivering at home, you're also adjusting to other people at home. If you do live with like a partner or children or whatever the case, or roommates, you know, you're having to adjust to, or if you live at home with your family, which can also be another, you know, source of headache if you will. And so having to adjust to that as well as the entire, you know, climate of our country, our state, the way that everyone else in our lives are probably handling the situation. There's so much that we're adjusting to. And I think that it's okay to not feel like you have to adjust so quickly when things are changing so quickly. And so giving yourself the grace to say, okay, this is a lot. And I'm going to take, I'm going to pause, you know, I'm going to decompress. I'm going to maybe zone out and watch something that's going to take my mind off of everything. Or I'm going to, you know, take a nap, you know, like do what you have to do to adjust to the current circumstances so that you're not feeling like you have to do everything at once just because maybe other people are saying you should. So that's really the most, I think, important thing, especially in the beginning stages of us kind of figuring out what's going on right now with the coronavirus. And I think the next thing is, you know, when it comes to looking for a new job, I think a lot of times I've heard from a lot of people wondering, like, should you even still look for a new job? Is it even possible for you to do that? And the answer is yes. You know, companies are still hiring. And although hiring may be slow, and although social media may make you feel like everyone is, you know, obviously on lockdown, but no one is hiring anymore, that's just not the case. Companies are still looking for great talent who are going to come in and solve problems and tackle the challenges that they're wanting to be able to, you know, take off of their plates. And so there's still an opportunity for you to get a new job and it's going to require you to change how you approach your job search a little bit. It's going to require you to be more strategic and it's going to require you to be more intentional, but it's certainly still possible if you're willing to adjust and adapt to the ways that the job search is changing due to coronavirus. Definitely. I mean, I think that's such good advice. I love the starting with just kind of slowing down and processing what's happening and not rushing into being productive. I mean, I've seen so much good stuff out there with ideas of what people can use if they have more time on their hands or if they're not commuting anymore and launching a business and doing the creative stuff. And that can be great if that's what you feel you're called to do. But I also think if you feel called to lay low and just process everything that's happening, that's more than okay as well. Yes. I mean, someone put posted something recently that was like, you know, a lot of people are saying that 
the coronavirus, like the quarantine because of the coronavirus should be like a creative wellness retreat. And that shouldn't, doesn't have to be the case. And it's so true. I mean, there's a massive opportunity for you to make the most of this time, right? Like a lot of times, especially when it comes to getting a new job, a lot of people are like, I wish I had more time to find a new job. I'm always working. I'm always tired after work. I have all these other commitments. And now you have the time that you wish you had all along. And so it can swing both ways. You know, if you feel like you need to take a reset and, you know, kind of process everything that's happening, that's totally fine and give yourself permission and do that. And if you do want to take advantage of this time that you have, like you should, you know, because it is a really unique opportunity to really think through what you want, figure out what you have been wanting to think about when it comes to your career, figure out what's missing, figure out how to tackle it, figure out if you want to get support and, and, you know, get the right steps or invest in a coach. This is the time to really make intentional decisions. And when it comes to your job search, when I talk about, you know, being strategic and intentional, you know, that requires you to, again, approach your job search differently. That means you're not just, you know, spraying and praying your resume and hoping that if you apply to 20 jobs a day, you'll get an interview because it doesn't, in this situation where the hiring market is going to be slower, you have to be more intentional about sending out the right applications to the right people. And so that means quality over quantity, you know, not feeling like you have to apply to all of these jobs, but instead taking some more time because you have it to craft an application that is worthy of being viewed, that really conveys what you can bring to them. It really shows that you're the problem solver that they're looking for. So that instead of having to apply to so many different jobs, you're applying to a few, but you're actually getting better responses and moving forward in the hiring process. And so there's a balance between like taking a reset and even putting more work into getting the job that you want. But it doesn't also have to be like this panic mode of like putting out as many fillers as you can and hoping for the best and kind of like waiting and seeing. You can be a little bit more proactive and intentional. Yeah, I love I love what you said about the intentionality and quality over quantity. I think it's so important, especially during times where there is a bit more uncertainty or where there is, I don't want to like speak scarcity into existence, but where it may feel like there's maybe a little bit less to go around, that really is when you want to be super intentional about doing the right thing. Because I mean, I remember from a last recession was when I was coming out of college and I was like, I just need a job. Any job got the first job I had, which I'm grateful to have had a job coming out of college, but it was the wrong job because I was purely <laughs> just like, let me get whatever I can get. And so I think there is kind of a fine balance there between you have to live, we all have to live, but you also have to enjoy living as well. Yeah. I love that. Like you have to enjoy living and it's so true. And I love that you mentioned scarcity too, because that's one of the things that I'm always like shouting about (laughs) to everyone is that when it comes to the job market, people already approach their job search in a scarcity mindset of options are limited. I have to take what I can get. You know, you read a job description and you're like, I don't really like this, but I can make it work. And so even outside of this situation, a lot of times people are already approaching their job search from this place of, I don't have many options. I have to take the first one that comes at me. And when it comes to this particular situation, and you know, even when this goes away, it's so important to operate in abundance. Even if the job market slows down and there are not as many jobs available, it doesn't mean that you have to take whatever you can get. It just means that you have to be better about standing out and getting ahead so that you get the jobs that you want. And that's a big difference between moving in a place where I have to take whatever to actually let me show up as the person that I need to be for the company so that they see that I'm ready for this opportunity and that I can be successful for this job that I want. Oh, such good advice. (laughs) So good. 
kind of along the same lines. I'm just thinking more about the job process and just the different things folks may encounter now that might be a little bit different than a traditional job search, even something like interviewing, which I Mm -hmm. think can often be done in person, is probably going to change to being more phone interviews or Mm -hmm. more virtual interviews. I'm curious, do you have any advice for how to navigate things like that that might be a little bit different than what we're used to in terms of job seeking remotely? Yes. And so not really maybe, but (laughs) interviews are until we're out of this social distancing and, you know, quarantine, like this is what it's going to be. And so the best advice is to know that and prepare for it. And so that means like getting comfortable talking about yourself even more so over the phone and in video interviews and also not seeing video interviews as this new barrier in a sense of like feeling like oh my gosh it's so different from an in-person interview or so different from a phone interview because it doesn't have to be it can be just as natural as a phone interview and just as natural as an in-person interview and so recognizing that and coming to terms with the fact that you will be having conversations with people on the phone and in video interviews more extensively than you would if we weren't in the situation is important so that you don't allow it to make you feel scared and then just adjust like one of the things that as this situation, the coronavirus, COVID-19, you know, changes or we find out more information, hopefully good information, hiring process is gonna probably going to be a little bit slower when you do leave an interview. And so it's important to be adaptable and persistent. And so adaptable means like if they need to have, you know, video interviews, you know, because usually some companies have like, you know, three to four rounds. So people be adaptable to that. Also be adaptable to the fact that they might have to change how many rounds they do have because they're not having in-person interviews. And so recognize that just as much as you want a new job, they're also adjusting to changing how they interview and find the right candidates for that opportunity. And so be adaptable to how quickly they're able to give you information or how not so quickly they're able to give you information. But be persistent so that when you do hear from them, you're being able to follow up as quickly as possible. Because I know sometimes people are like, I don't want to, I'm going to wait a little bit. I don't want them to think I'm so available. You know, no, like this is not the time to act like you're too busy. Nobody in the country, (laughs) nobody in the country is busy. And so be persistent and don't be afraid to show up. And if that means like if they respond to you and you haven't heard from them in a week, but you, you know, they're wanting to move forward in the interview, being able to respond right away and say like, this is when I'm available. Or if you haven't heard from them, being willing to follow up and say like, you know, circle back, remind them why you are a great candidate. Let them know that you're still interested. Let them know that you're flexible because of the situation with the coronavirus and understand that they're probably adapting. So be persistent in letting them know that you're ready, you're available, you're serious about the job and adaptable so they know that you can be successful even in the midst of like a changing situation. And that's going to show them that you can be successful in the role and at the company should their situation change or whatever happens. So it's so important to recognize like you're going to be doing a lot of phone interviews and video interviews and show up, be adaptable and be persistent. Mm, That's such good advice. Thank you. That's so helpful because I think that, I mean, that's a situation that a lot of folks are are facing right now and are going to be facing probably for a while. So I really appreciate that advice. Yes. I mean, it's not what we would have expected or ever thought would happen. But I think the people, the job seekers who are willing to 
show up and be the people that they would have been if this wasn't happening. So that means like be excited, be clear about what you can bring to the table, show your value and all the things that you would do if you were going through a normal interview process or applying for jobs are going to, if you're going to do that, you're going to be the person who really does rise above and is able to celebrate job offers so much quicker than someone who isn't willing to adapt or is pessimistic about what could happen. Absolutely. And I think too, I mean, not to get too, I don't know if conspiracy theory is like the the right word, but (laughs) I really think that what is happening right now is these are life-changing events. And I think Mm -hmm. that even once we get some resolve, it's going to change so many things as we know it. Some things hopefully in a good way. I think we've seen a lot of our government structures realizing that the way things have been working isn't working, which is not new information right. for us. We, we all know <laughs> it ain't working, but it's being forced to change right now. And I also mm-hmm. think that there is going to be a lot of good opportunity for companies to really take a hard look at how they support their employees. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, like those of us being in the workforce it's going to take some kind of pain to get to there. But I think that ultimately we are going to get a lot more support out of our employers, out of this market, because they're realizing it's necessary. Totally. Like 100%. I mean, if we look at even people working from home now, like a lot of, there are a lot of companies that have embraced work from home policies even before this, but a lot of companies still haven't. And so Because of this, companies that haven't are now being forced to embrace work from home and are now, in a sense, being forced to see if it works. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how a lot of employees realize that people do not have to be tied to their desks to deliver and how that's going to change what they feel is necessary when it comes to working and bringing results to the table. And so it's like, it's going to be really interesting to your point to see what dynamics change at work and even the companies now that are like getting backlash for not supporting employees as far as like salary and pay it's going to be really interesting to see how they combat that and change that especially when it comes to later on when they're wanting to recruit new employees for the jobs that are going to be opening up in the future how they're going to combat that to show people that they do care because now this is an opportunity for people who aren't caring or employers who didn't think they have to care to now show up and say like, this is how we're going to start caring for our current employees and how we're going to start caring for the people who we do bring on board as well. Absolutely. And I think that's something that I so appreciate about our generation, at least millennials. I think for Gen Z, I mean, they're still, they're very young. They're like just starting to enter the workforce. So we'll kind of see how that plays out for them. But for our generation as millennials, like we're not really going for being treated poorly. I think I think about my parents and my grandparents and they're like, you have a job, you do the job, you pay the bills, that's it. And for us, we're like, no, you're going to treat me well. You're going to give me flexibility. You're going to, and it's creating, I think, change that's going to be for the better for everyone. Right. Because it's like, if you don't give me that, I'm going to leave. <laughs> like, you know, like, because gone are the days, like you said, that we're like going to stay there for 10 years and wait and see. You know, we're not into that. Even 20 years is like beyond us at this point. And so it's like now we also see, especially with the internet and having so much more access to see what else is out there, I think has also helped us because when we see that we're not getting that from another company, and then we also see that other companies are offering that, we know that we can have that. And so if we're not getting that there, we can go to the next place that is going to offer that. And it's not going to be a problem because that's just part of their policies and the way that they do work. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, small businesses are really being hit hard right now. And that's something that is just like weighing so heavily on my heart. And I think with what's happening, entrepreneurship, business owners, I mean, people are going to get so creative and so savvy out of necessity that there's just really no limit to what we will be able to do or create. Right. I mean, when it comes to small businesses, it's on my heart as well, especially like my mom is an entrepreneur. She has multiple small businesses and, you know, being able to see how she's navigating it as well as me, because I I also have my own business. And so watching how she navigates it, watching how other people navigate it, it's really interesting. And for those who don't have the opportunity to maybe shut down because they need to be able to provide for their employees and they know that if they are able to come to work, that's how they're going to be able to pay them. Or, you know, maybe they aren't able to work from home because there's just not any processes in place for them to provide the services they offer to work from home, you know? And so seeing how that's playing out because of the situation is very like disheartening for those who aren't able to have the luxury of working from home or the entrepreneurs who have employees and don't have the luxury to pay their employees while not working. It's so interesting. I think that it's going to create so many different conversations and systems for everyone to decide like how can we be better how can we do better so that if something like this was to happen again god forbid we are more adequately prepared to just be able to thrive despite the circumstances Oh, totally. And I think one of my, one conversation that I have really appreciated because I have personal experience in this as well, is just some of the stigma that comes along with certain jobs of thinking that jobs in a corporate environment are better than hourly jobs or whatever. And Mm -hmm. now that we're kind of getting into it and we see who are we really relying on in this situation, Mm -hmm. we're relying on those people who are meeting our needs as those people working those hourly jobs and honestly risking their own health in all of this are the ones really getting it done and are often, you know, the least protected. And I had an experience with that where I was in a corporate job and ended up going from a high paying corporate job to a retail job and got so much. It was really interesting to see the shift in stigma between those two things. Yet when I was working my retail job compared to the corporate job that I had left, I was challenged so much more. I became a way better leader. I gained so many more valuable skills in that job. And yet it was looked down upon because of what it was. Right. Yes. And again, it goes back to like how I would hope that that stigma changes because of the situation. It's so interesting because there's so much bad that's being put out about this, you know, quarantine and COVID-19 and all of this, but just having this conversation, it's like, it's going to be interesting to see how much good does come from this situation. How much good does come from us having to take a cold look at like what is working and what isn't working. And I would hope that as people see that people are the front line, like these jobs that people don't get paid well in, but are actually the people who can't quit because we need them, you know, how interesting it's going to be on a positive side for people to start paying them better, for people to start respecting them more, for it to be easier for them to get a better job because people recognize the work that they did when they had that job. You know, I would hope that all of that begins to create a better conversation so that people who are in those roles aren't looked down upon and are paid better and are seen just as essential as those who are in more corporate jobs as well. 
Oh, absolutely. I cannot agree more. Oh, I love this conversation. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I would love to shift a little bit, just a little bit back to you. I know earlier we had touched on self-care and really making sure that we are taken care of in our careers as self-care, which I think is fantastic. I mean, I talked about my aha moment with that, but I would love to hear a little bit more about what your self-care practices look like. What are you doing to take care of you? Yes. So me, when it comes to my self-care practices, I'm really particular about how I spend my mornings. And so for me, what that looks like is like not looking at my phone. I can't even tell you, I don't do it. Like I just don't do it. Like I don't look at my phone when it comes to like Instagram or emails until I have like gone through all of what I want to do for the morning. So when I, when it comes to my morning time, like I work out, I read my devotional, I sit and just kind of give myself time to just think, you know, I read my Bible, I eat breakfast. I just really spend time with me. Like my job requires me to give so much to others, whether that's my clients or posting on social media or responding to emails or writing an article, you know, it requires me to give so much. And so I tend to work even later because, you know, my clients and the people that I connect with a lot are, you know, working. And so when we do have time to talk, it's usually after the work hours. And so for me, by the time my day is over, I've already gave so much to other people. And so my mornings are like my time because that's how I get to fill myself up so I can pour into other people. And so I'm really strict about being with myself. Even my friends know, like they, we, like even in my friend, our group chat, like they always joke around, like we're not going to hear from her until like 10 o'clock. Because even then, when I do start my job or start working, I tend to not even respond to my friends because I'm like, I need to get the day going. So it's so interesting, but it's, it's something that's like already an, a habit. And I have created clear boundaries for that, that are natural to even my friends because they're used to it. But it's something that I just really so sacred to me to really spend my mornings focused on myself daily. And anytime I'm not able to do that, it's like, the day is just like, I need to start over. So, <laughs> and for me, that requires me to get up a little earlier. You know, like I can't just roll out of bed at 7.30 and get my day started at eight o'clock because for me, that's not enough time for me to really spend time with me. So, you know, that requires me to get up, you know, maybe 6.45, 6.30 or sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I like to sleep in a little bit. So maybe 7.15, but you know, whatever time that I do get up, you know, I give myself an hour at least to focus on me so that I'm not just rushing into my day and tending to everybody else's needs. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Really being intentional with how you start your day because that truly sets the tone. Yes. I don't think that I could be sane without it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, honestly, I'm the same way. My mornings are very similar, so I totally get it. <laughs> so Adenola, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you? Being a balanced Black girl means... One, putting myself, pouring into myself before I pour into others, you know, always making sure that at least I'm doing what I need to do for me so that I don't feel depleted doing for other people. And it also means not, again, it's going to sound interesting because I'm all about careers, but recognizing that my career is not my life, it's just one part of my life. And so for me, that means taking care of the other things that are important to me, whether that be my health, my family, my friendships, my relationships, you know, my finances, like my me time, you know, making sure that I'm having a well balance of the things that I care about so that when I look up at the end of the day or at the end of the week, 
that I'm not just feeling like all I did was work, you know, because I really do, especially being my own business owner. And for me, I've always important to me to not have my business run me, but to allow my me to run my business. And so that means for me really being intentional about taking time for other things outside of work so that I do feel like I have a well-rounded life. Mm, that is beautiful. I love it. So good. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. So how can our audience keep in touch with you? Where can folks find you if they want to work with you or catch up with what you're doing? Yeah. So if you want to work with me, I have a signature coaching program called Career Define. And this is where I teach my clients and this is typically corporate professionals how to land a new job they love in 90 days or less and how to do so with less stress and overwhelm. So if you want that, if you love the tips that I've shared today, then I would definitely recommend applying. And you can do that by going to employeeredefined.com and then heading to the work with me page. And if you do want to get a little freebie, you can also so go to employeeredefined.com, click the first button, and you'll see my how to go from zero interviews to dream job offers and the steps you need to take to make that happen. So good. We'll make sure we have that linked in the show notes so it's super easy to find. That's an incredible resource. Thank you so much. So welcome. Such a pleasure. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show today. Friend, we have come to the end of the road on this episode, but thank you so much for riding with me all the way till the end of this week's show. If you have not already, please be sure to leave a review for Balanced Black Girl on Apple Podcasts. It is the number one way that you can support the show. It is how we gain visibility. It is how folks can find the show. Did you know that podcasts are actually really hard to find unless you specifically send it to a friend? The interface for podcasts is usually not too easy to navigate. So your ratings, your reviews help new folks and other Balanced Black Girls find the show. So if you have not yet left a review. I would be so appreciative if you did. We'll be back soon with another episode. Please continue resting, pouring into yourself, and taking care.